slow down, you crazy child You're so ambitious for a juvenile But then if you're so smart Tell me why are you still so afraid You burn it out You got so much to do And only so many hours in a day But you know that when the truth is told That you can get what you want Or you can just get old You're gonna kick off Before you even get halfway through Ooh, and will you realize Vienna waits for you So romantic on the borderline tonight, tonight Too bad, but it's the life you lead You're so ahead of yourself that you forgot what you need Though you can see when you're wrong You know you can't always see when you're right You're right You got your passion, you got your pride But don't you know that only fools are satisfied Hello, hello. Welcome back to Blind Love Radio. I am your host, Anna Rosen, and it's been a while, my peeps. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's possible that I will go into labor any day now. I just hit 37 weeks. Holy cannoli. This baby might just shoot out of me at any moment. Um, but that's kind of a fun surprise. It's like, who knows when I'll come. Um, and it's fun thinking about it astrologically. Like, what does he want his birth chart to be? You know, because I'm a nerd like that. Um, Like, what does he want to experience in this life? It's just so trippy to think about. And, you know, if he was going to come early, there was a chance he was going to be a Gemini, like my husband. And it's officially cancer season as of two days ago. So he's going to be a cancer son. And... I love that. I was hoping for a water or fire sign. I'm an earth sign. My husband's an air sign. So we could get a little bit of balance. Um, And what a little sensitive soul he'll be. Just add a little bit more sensitivity to this house because we're not sensitive enough. (laughs) Um, But I'm super excited. It's raining right now. And I just love a summer storm. Nothing I love more. Nothing makes you feel like cozier when you're at home and it's just raining outside and you can like curl up with a book or whatever it is. It feels like it takes, takes, it washes the worries away. Like whatever, whatever the to-do list is, whatever 
the urge to produce and be productive it just kind of like settles you down like a nice mug of tea so that's kind of like the cancery watery vibes I'm leaning into is rain <laughs> I don't know if anybody else has that feeling or gets that feeling um, but I'm leaning into it so it's been a while I've been busy um, with hair, st- hair and makeup stuff. Um, finally got done with my last wedding of the season. I'm officially on maternity leave. So just waiting until this baby comes. I didn't want to book any weddings too close to my due date because that would be a disaster giving birth on somebody's wedding day. Like, hold on, my water just broke. Can't do your hair anymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so we're avoiding that. And yeah, just trying to like fix everything up, finish the nursery, get organized. I joined Costco, like a good suburban mom. Um, <laughs> Because holy cow, groceries are really going up. Um, Yeah, inflation is just crazy. So Costco is amazing. We've been getting like so much meat and we've been like butchering our own meat, which sounds really hipster, but I don't think it is when you just need to do it for financial reasons. Um, It feels a little bit more rustic I suppose and less um hipster bougie but yeah so I ground up a bunch of pork yesterday put it in the freezer and our freezer is stocked so we'll have food to eat um and yeah I've been doing a lot of laundry you know how it is if you have kids I suppose um And if you don't, I'm sure you could imagine. And I think I might try and make some art. I haven't done that in a very long time. Um, And yeah, we can kind of see what comes of that. I'm just putting it out there into the universe. So maybe it'll actually happen. I like the idea. Um, get back to some creative, get those creative juices flowing. Um, yeah, so let's get into our episode. Me and Beth recorded this in March of this year. So it's been a few months, but the content is still relevant. I just got so busy and preoccupied that I wasn't able to put it out. But alas, the time is now. So prepare yourselves for an amazing episode with Beth Forrester. You all know her and love her on Instagram. We chatted. She's across the pond, as they say. And we talked so much about dream work and tarot and the intuitive realm and also what it means to 
not only like dive into intuition, but be grounded and balanced at the same time. Um, And I love how she talks about dreams being this mycelian network of dreams. Like there's this connection um, that we can tap into. Ah, I just love that idea. She brought that up and I'm obsessed. Um, I can't stop thinking about that. And my dreams have been pretty freaking weird since being pregnant. Um, yeah, can't say much more than that, but take my word for it. <laughs> so this was a really fun conversation to have while I've been pregnant. And Beth is just a gem. Like you can just feel the creativity just oozing off of her. Um, and she does these creative, intuitive dream work mentoring sessions with people so if you're interested in that and you think you would be a good fit with her definitely check her out I'm gonna put all of her links in the show notes to make it easily accessible and you can find her on Instagram beth.forrester just her name and she posts so much great content related to dreams and tarot and the moon Um, and art, all of the things we love over here at Blind Love Radio. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you're enjoying cancer season. Um, A little amendment, is that how we would say that? (laughs) Correction from last week's episode with Sarah. Um, She, I had said that her business was a new business and it is not a new business. Um, She has been doing this for many, many, many years and it was just a new tarot account that she had opened up on Instagram. So apologies, did not make you, did not want to make you sound like a noob. Um, She is experienced, has been doing this for years and everybody <laughs> go check her out as Static Rabbit Tarot. And yeah, I'm sure you guys loved that episode because it was so good. Um, and just wanted to make that correction. So love you guys. Enjoy this episode with Beth and happy dreaming. It's kind of fitting that we are releasing this episode with cancer season, seeing as it's ruled by the moon, right? All right. Love you. Bye. Also, so sorry that I'm like getting out of breath, just talking during this intro. I sound like a psycho listening back, but the baby is squishing my lungs. So... Please, no judgments. <laughs> All right, smooches. Slow down, you crazy child, and take the phone off the hook and disappear for a while. It's all right, you can't afford 
Okay, so go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh, hi, I'm okay. Um, I'm Beth Forrester. I'm living in England. Um, and I'm a dream worker, an artist, a tarot reader, um, a mother, <laughs> many things. Yeah, really nice to be here. So how did you get into all of this? Oh, well, I'm a bit older than you, I think. Um, it's been a long journey, Anna, and it's... It started, I've been an artist all my life. Um, I did a sculpture degree after school and all that kind of thing, did, did, did that stuff. Um, and I tried to do that for, uh, tried to sell art for maybe 20 years um, before I realized that it was really hurting me, that this is really bad. I love making art and I still make art and I'll always make art. But yeah, that was a big turning point for me. There was a big change in my life. Um, and I started to just bravely kind of lean into this idea, this more um, intuitive work, and it started with tarot. And um, at that point, I had a huge workshop full of heavy tools. I was a blacksmith as well. I did blacksmithing and um, sculpture and various things. Um, and I had literally tons of equipment to kind of deal with. My marriage had finished, my 20-year marriage. Had, you know, there was a lot going on. Um, so, yeah, I just started taking these steps started selling the gear picked up my tarot deck and yeah just just began so yeah that's how it started um, and did it's kind of been intuitive step since then really did you always have a tarot deck or like how did you get your first one no 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 I didn't actually and I my background is um very anti-tarot or it certainly was at the time um I had a really strict Christian upbringing um which is so interesting because so many tarot readers I listen to on podcasts and talk to have had this experience where um, tarot was like evil from the devil and, you know, you, you mustn't touch it. And it was very, a lot of fear around, around that. And I don't know how that changed for me, but it, the first tarot deck I had, um, I found actually in a kind of bring and buy sale kind of pile. And it was a Marseille deck and I, and I loved it. And I, and I kind of took this deck and, um, fiddled around and had, had, had got got used to it. I found it quite confusing, actually, and I've never gone back to that deck. Um, but, yeah, that was my first deck. And, and I had nobody around me interested in tarot or, um, you know, like an example to me about that at all. All I had was this past that was very negative. Um, actually, it cropped up in some really uh, long period of therapy that I'd had with a wonderful um, man. Um, and that, that I guess that's where my interest sort of, felt safe and was I, I saw the link between that and my artwork and the way that I was making art so yeah I think that's where it probably where I probably became more comfortable and realized that this isn't the enemy and it's in fact very friendly and very suitable to someone like me so will you use tarot while you're making art no not at all actually but I am um, I started <laughs> to recognize the kind <laughs> of um, and you know I'll actually it's one of the biggest frustrations well it's not even a frustration what I've come to accept that as an artist who loves tarot I just can't make a deck and I and it's just not suited to me it's not and I, and I found out and I've, I've kind of like formulated why that is because for years it's like why the hell wouldn't you do that it's like so obvious um you know I collect 
sex, being dishy. I love them. I really, really love them. I love printing. I love everything to do with that seems right. But I, I can't bear the limit of limiting one image to one idea. And I think that's why I don't. Um, but, you know, I mean, I use it, it, I use it more um, with my clients that can sometimes come into art making. But for me, it's more that kind of um, unconscious way of making art that, that, that's how I work. And the images in the tower and the ideas and the themes and, and the feelings that came up when I was using the deck were very similar and in line with um, the way my art would kind of erupt out of, you know, out of the unconscious places. It was never um, something that I could understand straight away, you know, the images or the sculptures that I would make. Um, so, yeah, they just, they just felt very comfortable together and very, very of a similar language really, and a similar um Tapping into the same kind of place, just like dreams, really, too. You know, it's all, to me, that's all the same, um, coming from the same place. Yeah, it makes me think of, like, the idea of being afraid of tarot initially. I feel like mm. I mm. also get, like, very afraid of my art. I don't know if you feel this way. Are you? Yeah. Um, no, I don't personally use my art, but I but I can really relate to hearing tarot when I was younger. And I can relate to my clients doing their artwork because especially if things are coming up from the unconscious, in the same way that people might fear a reading is going to give you something scary, I think people do sometimes fear the imagery or the themes or the colours even that, that come up in their own, you know, if they're, if they're approaching it in this way, then, you know, it can be quite um, intimidating and a little bit, what I'm looking for, uh, just feel a bit ominous. Yeah, you're not quite sure what to expect, I guess. Is that how you feel with yours? Mm-hmm. I think like especially if you're not wanting to look at something subconsciously mm, yeah I feel like it always yeah, sure. comes up whether it's in a <laughs> reading or your dreams yeah. or your art yeah for sure like it comes yeah because it's from the same <laughs> yeah yeah it really does doesn't it and I think if you're up for that that's one thing but um it can still be disarming yeah definitely like my god that again really you know something you're trying to avoid and um yeah it keeps presenting itself doesn't it so have you always dreamt yes always and and I'm as a child and a a sort of teenager I used to religiously write the dreams down but um that stopped I've had I've got three adult children I've had when I had my kids you know I was so busy and I stopped um that link with my dreams was a lot weaker and um, it's only sort of the last few years that I've got back in touch with that language and been really keen to um, build that relationship and you know bring it more into my work but yeah I have all these dreams I can remember dreams from um, when I was younger can you have you, are you a dreamer you're, you're a keen dreamer <laughs> oh yeah I am a crazy dreamer they are so vivid <laughs> yeah, and weird <laughs> And yeah. definitely, yeah. like, being pregnant, they're even weirder. Um, and did what? Sorry, I didn't catch that. Word. Yeah, definitely be, being... Being pregnant. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yes, I bet. So your dreams are really um, kind of fruiting, crazily, since your pregnancy, yeah? Yeah, they're, like, extra weird. Um, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but it's kind of oh, fun. It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, but the, but the thing is with this, and, and with working with clients, I've realised, you know, this isn't just an imaginative game. This is very real, isn't it? And, um, you know, that's what can be disarming, that it, this can feel like a fun, playful, imaginative exercise, which it is. It is that too. 
Um, but like you said about your art, things things happen in dreams and connect into your real life and connect with other people you're dreaming with. And, you know, there's all kinds of ways that um, dreams get bigger the more you pay attention. And, you know, yeah, it is a funny old game. <laughs> Definitely. I have a really weird dream thing that happened yesterday. So oh, it, go on. What was it? it didn't happen to me, but I invited my friend. She lives in a different country. I was like, are you going to be in the country mm. to come to my baby shower in May? Mm. And she said she wasn't, but she was like, how funny you reached out to me because I had a dream about you last week. Mm. And I was like, oh, mm. well, you know, what was it? Mm. Hello. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> And she said, she said, you were telling me something about my astrology, my sun sign. I'm a Leo. Was it, is your baby coming in August or is it going to be a Leo? And I said, no, it's not. He's not going to be a Leo, but we're naming him Leo. Isn't that so crazy? Oh my God. It was spooky dooky. You know, I've been having a couple of similar things I can't actually describe on here because it's, it's to do with clients and their dreams. But yeah, this kind of real echoing, resonating um, language that's kind of happening. Like, how could she have known? And, you know, there is a lot of mystery around this stuff, but it sure does happen. Definitely. It definitely happens this stuff, doesn't it? How did you feel? I was... <laughs> with that one. I feel, you know, an echoing is such a good way to describe it. Mm. Because mm. it feels like like a little bit of a shock, but at the same time, it doesn't. Mm. Because I feel yeah. like I could yeah. see myself <laughs> like going yeah. into people's dreams and telling them, or like just talking with them. Yeah. Like it seems so rational, even though it's completely yeah. irrational, right? Well, that's it, and it, and it, and it is irrational in one sense. It's kind of um. And you can approach the dreams or even tarot or anything with a very purely rational um, approach. But I think that's quite limiting because there's so much we don't know. There's so many of these things and these weird echoes and resonances and kind of feedback that we we just never, you know, people have been studying this for thousands of years. There is so much mystery. And I think that's part of the joy of it is just letting go of that need to know exactly. And it's just a felt thing in the body, isn't it? Um like you said, you, you didn't feel, it was kind of alarming, but um, then you felt okay with it. It felt good. It felt right. It was like normal. Have you looked into like Asclepius and all of the myths surrounding that figure? Well, I, I, don't, I don't really know an awful lot about Greek legends. I know I obviously know who that is and a little bit, but no, I, it, you know, something with the Greek legends and the myths, I'm really interested in them and I know the... Um, the famous ones, you know, the ones you, that kids know and everything. But there's something, um, I'm, I'm easier with fairy tales. I just find them a little bit intimidating. And I'm sure that's definitely my issue. And I'd love to know more. But um, yeah, I know, I know Sclepius is linked to dreaming, isn't he? Yeah. Do you have any like figures or like what sorts of like resources have you gone to to learn more about dreaming? Mm, well, um, in, you know, initially, just my own practice, obviously, that's what gets you kind of uh, interested in anything, doesn't it? Where, where you're getting feedback yourself that's helpful for you. Um, and then, yeah, various online um, courses. In fact, I've just written a really glowing testimonial for um, 
uh, a fabulous dream worker on her podcast is called The Dream Show. She's called James Reader Anderson, and she's she's got a really unusual approach, actually. I find in the kind of dreaming world, there's lots of union um, approaches. And much like the Greek myth thing, I find that a bit heavy and a bit dry and a bit. Um, you know, obviously, I've got a huge respect for those areas, but what I wrote on her testimonial was um, that she has a really light touch with this. It's really accessible. It's really, she has a science background too. So she's got this kind of really lovely balance of mystery and science. Um, and she's got humor and she's got this lovely kind of curious energy about her. So I've done a couple of her courses. Um, what else have I done? Yeah, I mean, Toka Paterna is, is a queen of dreams. I'm sure you've heard of her. Um, She's got some fabulous resources and, and her book, um, Belonging, is a really good one. There's bits about dreaming in there. She, she's fantastic about dreams. Again, she's holding this kind of much bigger picture, this wilder kind of free-flowing um, idea about dreams rather than this sort of prescriptive and dream dictionary kind of approach. Um, yeah, which I love. That, that, that's my two kind of dream, dream queens at the moment, yeah, and, and, and have been on my journey, yeah. Have you had like um, premonition dreams? Um, I have, but not very many. And I've met that there's not been anything that's been that I felt there's a point to, if you see what I mean. And I'm willing to hold that they're, that they're there. Um, but I have had clients that have had them, um, and they've been impossible to ignore. Uh, they're they're deeply mysterious. Um, <laughs> they can be alarming and derailing. Um, but yeah, they're, they're all the more layers to explore, really. And um, yeah, the, the, there's one I'm working working on with someone at the moment, actually. And there's many layers to, to her premonition. Um, again, to do with resonance and echoing that same kind of thing. Um, synchronicity. You know, there's many, many messages within that rather than just you've seen the future and you should have done something or you need to tell. You know, that's it. it's not, I don't think it's a small a small blob <laughs> when you have a premonition. I think there's many, many layers to that. And um, yeah, I think a curious, open mind is the best approach to that stuff because it can be very, very strange very quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you, you ever... had premonitions? I feel like I'll see symbols in my dreams and then they'll come up mm. in real life. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which feels mm. like a little, it's not as like, prescriptive I would say but it's more mm-hmm. um just like a little tap on the shoulder like hey yeah <laughs> you yeah know? yeah like in like a synchronicity again and, mm-hmm. and that people you know people are very keen to sort of dismiss that kind of thing but once you start taking synchronicity as a serious part of your life and something that you enjoy um yeah, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to language some of this stuff, Anna, isn't it? Because um, unless you're feeling it and working with it yourself, it's quite hard to grasp how that would help. Um, but it is like kind of breadcrumbs on a trail, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, it's what you're noticing, what you're responding to, your kind of vital energy is responding to various symbols for good reason. Yeah, I think, yeah. And, and dreams are a great, are a great place to for those for those things to keep popping up, um, and they're mirrored in real life. You know, I in fact I, I don't like the term real life, waking life, um, because both of these places are real, but very real, aren't they? 
Do you feel like you revisit the same places in your dreams? Mm, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, the same houses, the same kind of landscape. Um, or certainly the same themes like woodlands. I'm always in woodlands in my dream. Um, there's, there's lots of symbols that are similar. So mushrooms are one of my favorite. I dream about mushrooms all day long. Really? Um, yeah. And in fact, I see mushrooms very much like dreams. It's one of my two favorite ever things, fungi and dreams. And I think they're so similar the way they act, the way they kind of, you know, this mycelial network um, under the ground is kind of doing its thing, doing its really broadly reaching and stretching. We can't see it. But all we do see is these kind of like fruiting bodies popping up um, when the time's right above ground. And I feel like those are, they really like our dreams, like these colourful variety, kind of crazy, all the crazy fungus. Um, and yeah, and that's, that's how they kind of reproduce, how the, how the mycelium reproduces. They drop spores and all that kind of thing. Um, and for me in my dreams, they, they really they really kind of talk about this, this subject um, and in fact, when I was getting into dream work and, and finding my confidence and being brave, um, because it's very easy to think, who am I to do this? I haven't got the skill. I don't have the knowledge. I'm, you know, my self-esteem all the way with my journey has, has needed me to be extremely brave. Um, and, and that's where, where, where this started, actually, in my own dreams, is um, mushrooms, 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 <laughs> mushrooms everywhere. Just all different kinds, me collecting them in beautiful boxes and just these journeys through the woods. Even under my under my bedspread, these beautiful patchwork bedspreads with lime molds and psychedelic colours and these different um, fruiting bodies. And yeah, it's been a real part of my dreaming landscape, definitely. <laughs> so will you forage mushrooms in your waking life? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with mushrooms. I'm not very knowledgeable about them. And again, you know, we're all in different places with these things, aren't we? I really admire the botanists and the kind of and follow loads on Instagram. I listen to them all day long. But for me, I just love finding them, seeing them. I eat, I eat them when I can. I, in fact, I eat them at every opportunity. Um, but yeah, I love, I adore them. And and um, plants tall, you know, the plant kingdom. Just oh, so love, so love it. Yeah. So the imagery in my dreams um, is often is often those kind of lands. So what? tarot card do you feel like really paints the picture of like a dream landscape or really ties in with dreams for you do you say which card which one mm-hmm. mm, let me think the dreaming world well the moon is the obvious one this mm-hmm. kind of dark vast place where you can feel quite lost and you have to accept feeling quite lost to even begin to approach a dream. You, you can't go in there thinking that you know the first thing about it. I think for me, that's, that's the approach that works for me. It's this kind of completely open-handed beginner's mind um, to just listen, listen to the story. Um, I mean, again, High Priestess could be a good card for that. But yeah, I'm going to go with Moon, Anna. What about you? What would you? What would your instinctive dream card be? I feel like the maybe the Queen of Cups is coming to mind. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's a lovely dreaming card because there's so much yeah. emotion. It feels like within it. Mm, yeah, lots of feelings, and in fact, that's often the strongest place to start 
weren't trying to understand the dreams, isn't it? It's the feeling tone of the dream. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I love looking up. Yeah, yeah, like the, the, the felt sense, rather than before you even get to the symbols and the theme and arc of the story and all that kind of stuff, the feeling tone, I think, is the most important aspect, isn't it? So have you had any, like, really cool synchronicities from dreams that you can tell us about? Hmm, let me think. Um, I don't know about actual literal synchronicities, although I feel like they're, they're you know, for me, it's, it's a situation where the, the dreaming life and the waking life, um, they become one, really. They're, they feel like they're the same thing. They don't feel very separate anymore. Um, and so I feel like it, in a kind of symbolic life that, you know, you can choose to live, which I certainly do, they kind of everywhere and so it's hard to sort of split that into a kind of um into that lovely image martin practical uses doesn't he i don't know if you've read any of his have you read that martin oh he's so lovely he's lovely kind of um in fact he's not from guatemala but that's that's where he lived and wrote when he did when he was writing um and he describes the dreaming life and the waking life as kind of two sides of a butterfly these kind of two um and, and the heart being the centre of the body and that you need both of these wings in order to kind of take flight and I love that image and I feel like that's how how it is and, and feel it so more it's more like for me more like feelings from dreams and knowings from dreams come into my waking life like um, a couple of important dreams that I had a few years ago um, and I wouldn't want to be too specific there would be other people involved but there was one uh, one situation where where I was in a very very dark place, a very um, very difficult place for me, and I couldn't see that very clearly. Um, I kept trying. It was a situation I kept trying with. Um, it's actually really difficult still to talk about because it, it was such such a painful place to be. And I dreamed that night, um, one of those nights, of the most beautiful garden. The most be- I went under a rainbow arch and I went into this garden. There were nuns, um, um, kind of women tending this beautiful garden, and there was herbs, and there was medicine, and there was fruit and vegetables. And I could see my feet on the soil going through these beautiful um, things that were growing in the garden. It's very, this lovely lit area in, in a woodland, again in a woodland. Um, and I just had this very strong sense that this is where this was my home, this is where I needed to be. Um, uh, and it was for me, and I belonged there. And, I, and there was this real sense of, oh my goodness, there's this place for me. And when I woke, I had just the strongest, strongest sensation that, that in in contrast to where I actually was. And it was just this kind of um, real awakening of this, this place isn't good for you. <laughs> Not you must leave. <laughs> you must stop this. Um, and I did. I did do that, difficult as it was. But yeah, that that's an example of how my dreams tend to work. Um, another one uh, in a similar time of my life when there was a lot of fear and a lot of pain in the dream, a lot of darkness, a lot of shutting down. And um, and then an image, a really close image of my heart with nails being, you know, put right through it. And again, this dream spoke very loud. I woke up uh, very frightened and very, and very in pain. And I recognised what was happening in my waking life. Um, but also on that occasion, I was furious with the dream because I felt like I wasn't ready to make this decision. But again, it helped me to do that. It, it showed me so clearly um, the source of my pain and that, that this repetitive thing that um, I was doing, this 
kind of a trauma bond or whatever um, what I was going back to. But yeah, so that's that's more how my dreams help me. They they either contrast something in my waking life or or kind of clearly show me where the feeling tone is that's important and that's kind of um, pertinent to the difficulty I'm having in the waking life. Yeah. It all feels very Neptunian. Mm, it does feel like that. That's lovely, Anna, actually, yeah. It does feel Neptunian, yeah. And again, it's not this kind of um, linear, <laughs> sort of straightforward mm-hmm. path with dreams. It, it is Neptunian. It's kind of, um, and it's a long game. It's something that you commit to, to be in relationship with your dreams, with the language, learning the language and the way your pictures talk, the way your stories talk. Um, the way your body reacts in the dreams, the way your body reacts in your waking life and when you wake from a dream, you know, and it's this kind of spacious, cosmic kind of thing. But, um, you know, we're just not trained in this language in, in the kind of rational, uh, logical uh, world that we often find ourselves in as Neptunian people. <laughs> but yeah, it takes time, doesn't it? It takes time to build up do you ever feel like overwhelmed by that idea? Like, like the idea that your dream life and your waking life are, you know, flip sides of the coin and they're all one. Mm. And then when you actually um, start to mm. like see the boundaries dissolve, I feel like it can get very yeah. intense. Yes. I, I completely a hundred percent relate to that. And I, it can get really intense. And, um, and you can often feel quite alone with that too. I think um, you need to, yeah, I don't know what you need to do, but actually I'm, I think <laughs> dream groups is something I want. I don't know what you want, but yeah, I totally relate. It, it can be really, really massive and out there, um, but also quite compulsive because, you know, it's for me, it's like you're the author of your own dreams, but beyond that, there's a lot of autonomy and kind of... Um, you know, you, we're not handing out power above and outwards, are we? We're kind of finding our this more indigenous kind of native knowing, which with my upbringing, that, that's kind of poignant for me. That's really, really, really important to my work to empower my clients that they are the one who knows. And, you know, the dreams are the ultimate um, in, in something from them, you know? And, and if it's listened to very carefully and held with kind of respect and really open hands, um, you know, you can guide a client into into a really deep sense of themselves. So, I mean, I'm really, really behind the work, and um, but it's not straightforward and it's not always lighthearted. Certainly, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel shocking, um, and it opens up a huge area of the world which a lot of people aren't even aware of or block out or choose to block out or whatever. But yeah, it can be. It can feel big. <laughs> it is big. <laughs> Do you ever do like lucid dreaming? I don't actually. And um, my children who are all, um, you know, older now, they, they all lucid dream actually, but I never have. And I, well, I've had this funny feeling about it that I kind of don't want to, and I can't really tell you why. <laughs> um, but I just don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to be too conscious in my dream. I don't know. I don't know. I've just got this funny, like, I'm interested and I might change my mind. Um, how about you? Do you, you do you do that? Um, not anytime recently. I did a lot of yoga nidra mm-hmm. maybe like a year mm-hmm. or two ago. 
Um, yeah. And that involves a lot of lucid dreaming. But oh, okay. this idea, like they would that. like start it off by being like you would, you would take stock of your body, kind of like really mm-hmm. hone in on all of your muscles and become like really aware. And then they would go mm-hmm. very quickly like into the dream where they would be like, all right, you're starting to float out of your body and you're floating higher and higher away, and you can see the building. Now you can see all of the land. And it felt so, I mean, ungrounding is, like, obvious, but it really does, and you feel like you're really, like, out of body. So is this, like, a waking dream, Anna? Is this, um like, a meditation, like an active imagination kind of idea? Yes. Is that right? Uh-huh. So not when you're asleep and you practice awareness of being conscious in your sleeping dreams. Uh, that's what I thought you meant with lucid dream. But maybe as a, another thought where you're, because I do actually practice active imagination where I go back into a dream that I've dreamed. Um, embo- like you said, embody it, get back in the feelings of the body, put, you know, go back into what does it smell like? Where was the light source? Was it cold? Is it outside? Is it warm? Who's there? look around the room you know really really inhabit the dream and in the body but um yeah I think you're like yeah and I've had some interesting things from that but I don't do it very often I must admit you're you're like in between like the in between Mm. place where like you just wake up in the morning and then you're Mm. able to like go back to sleep Mm. so like you're half you're half asleep half awake kind of state that yeah mm. yeah yeah Lovely, yeah. But I can imagine very ungrounding if, um, I don't know, again, I, I don't know why this, this tone has come on me, but because um, I'm not always very serious about it. But I just feel like you do have to be a little bit careful, actually, don't you, I think? It does, you know? right? I don't know. I do think that you have to be careful. I do, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, I wouldn't want to put anyone off this stuff. It's, you know, I love it. It's one of my, my passions. But, um, yeah, to hear you say about just feeling ungrounded and, you just would want to be in a safe place while you did that, I think. Totally. And and um, yeah, and not and trust the person obviously who's taking you there and the kind of imagery that they're using, whether that's suitable for you and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's obvious, really, but it's so easy to um, dive in with the with the wrong situation, isn't it? Sometimes. So I feel like it's a very like we talked about like a Neptunian thing. And I feel like everything that's going on with Pisces right now, with like Jupiter and Pisces mm. and Neptune and the sun, <laughs> do you, are you like tuning into all of that or do you have any like, I don't know. Well, I don't know much about astrology and at all, actually. I picked really? it up. Really? I feel like um, I think of you not- as an astrologer. <laughs> 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 I wish I was. I mean, I just feel like it's one of those huge subjects. I dare not pretend to know about because my goodness it's just massive isn't it and I and I love listening to it and I do you know I do look at where the sun and the moon are and, and I follow the phases of the moon quite closely those kind of things and I love more like the archetypes of the um of the planets and the in the solar system system and, and that kind of thing in a, in a much more simpler way than being an astrologer yeah although I did have a, a very good reading from a friend of mine um he's a really talented astrologer and I still think about that reading. Um, yeah, it is something that fascinates me, but 
Yeah, well, I'm not very good astrologer. Do you <laughs> know your sun, so, yeah, moon, I mean, and rising? Yeah, I'm Gemini, Gemini, uh, Gemini, um, sun, Gemini rising, and Aries moon. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Mm. Air and yeah. fire. And I feel, um, yeah, yeah, it can get a bit much sometimes, I think. How so? Um, well, like air and fire. I mean, air feeds fire, doesn't it? Just hearing you say that, I kind of responded in my body to you say air and fire. Um, I've had lots of ups and downs in my life, and I and I have uh, sometimes very dramatic mood swings. That's something that um, that happens with me. Um, yeah, and and you know these ideas of kind of I definitely relate to the Geminian um, aspects like the communicative, mercurial, constantly shifting kind of trickster elements where where um, nothing stays the same and everything's super fast. But also, I you know I, I want to know more about the Aryan bit because yeah, I just think the older I get, the more I'd like to know about that bit. Really, I don't know if you can give me any any quick. Um, yeah, or not quick <laughs> ideas for my Aryan moon. <laughs> I've noticed my ram. Yeah, Aries moons are very independent mm. and independently willed, and like very mm. like if they put their mind to something, they're gonna do it. Mm. Um, yeah. I've noticed that in my niece, who's an Aries moon, and I think she's <laughs> really giving her parents a run for their money. Oh, oh little high five. Your yeah, niece. it's very yeah. cute. Yeah. <laughs> very cute, yeah. And um, it's so interesting, and I wish I'd paid more attention when the children were younger to this guy. Of course, you've got all this to come with little Leo. Oh, you've yeah. Got, um, I'm so, so, so will he be Gemini? He's Gemini's son. I think he's going to be... A cancer son. Is he? Is he? Well, we'll see. His crap. Bar- yeah, his, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His expected day yeah, is did. July 13th. So. Ah, okay. Yeah. He could come early, though, yeah. and be a Gemini and surprise us all. He could. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so exciting. But I yeah, to, to watch children um, in, their, in their sort of planetary ways must be so fascinating. Yeah. And children's dreams too. I mean, I'd love, to, I'd love to um again looking back and you know learn from my mistakes. And I'm sure you you wouldn't um ignore that stuff. But yeah, it, it, get get him into a practice with his dreams. Get him talking about his dreams. Make it normal. Um, just such a window into their little world as well. That that so beautiful for their mum. Yeah, that's so cool. I I am mm-hmm. excited to talk to somebody about dreams because my husband doesn't dream. Um, Doesn't he? Which I think is so interesting. I think if you smoke a lot of weed, you don't dream as much. Absolutely. Do you know what? My sons, um, whenever they have a time off weed, they dream. And when, when in the normal, I mean, they, they do smoke a lot of weed still. Uh-huh. But for me, that's just like a massive sacrifice. I cannot believe they're prepared to sacrifice. <laughs> I, I know. I used to smoke a lot myself. I don't now um, because I really value my dreams. Oh, my goodness. I would never swap for... Um, a few smokes now no I wouldn't but yeah it is interesting and I and I think as well that people commonly believe that they don't dream but I think the science says that we all do I mean I'm not I'm not a scientist but and I've heard lots of dream dream workers that I admire saying this that everybody dreams and it takes very little to 
um, actually entice those dreams back into your into your sort of consciousness. Um, and if it, and I think a lot of it, Anna, as well, is being interested in your dreams and wanting that that relationship. And you know, you can pretty much say, "Okay, dreams, come back. I'm listening." But then you've got to make sure you are listening. You know, write it down, pay attention, honour the dream, and everything, even if it's a tiny, tiny little bit. Um, but I think there's something about that that. Um, and and who knows why? What he might not be interested in dreams, but he also might, like you, with the the creative process, he might find that a bit fearful, or you know, there might be a reason why he doesn't want the dreams. And I think sometimes the dreams respond to that doesn't want, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and they don't um they don't sit high up in the kind of um, consciousness when you wake. But I, there's loads of things you can do to promote dream recall and to to invite that back in if it, if it is what you want to do. Like what? Well, like I said, uh, have the intention is the first thing. Have the have the clear intention in yourself that I'm okay. I really want to listen to my dreams. I'm really interested. I take the dreams seriously. And that's the other thing culturally. The language around dreams is, you know, negative uh, or, or kind of dismissive uh, um, at best. You know, you're only dreaming. Your head's in a dream. You know, all that kind of fluffy. Um, it's only a dream kind of thing. But I think so. That's the main. The first point would be to, to sort of hold that intention, and then yeah, get a piece of paper and a pen, or, or your voice notes on your phone, whatever, whatever you like better. And then if you wake in the night or you wake in the morning, um, write whatever you've got, even if it's the tiniest little thing. If it's just like I saw a brown shoe, <laughs> you know, anything. I'm looking at my motionism. So yeah, so write that down. Don't dismiss that as not enough. Or if you have a very mundane dream, don't dismiss that as um, not valuable. It's that kind of building a trust with um, with the dream, like you would, you know, like you would in an intuitive sense when you're building a sense of your own intuition. You've got to listen and respond, otherwise there's no trust there. There's no, you know, why would a dream come if you're going to ignore it? So that would be the next thing. Get your get, you know, before you go to bed, be very calm. You know, as you're settling down, have have your pen and paper there on the pillow, and just kind of say, yeah, I'm, you know, I'd really love a dream. I'm, I'm I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm listening, and I'll write it down, and I'll and I'll um, reflect and and kind of absorb what you what what, what arrives. Yeah, what you receive, and, and treating it like that, like you're receiving a, a a treasure, a gift. Yeah. Will you ever pull cards around your dreams? Yeah, I do sometimes. Yeah, um, not always. I'm quite an intense person, and and uh, I can get, you know, it's quite easy to get very tied up in in um multi-layers of symbolism if, you, if you're that kind of person and, and a lot of my clients um, have this difficulty where they're pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling around everything and um, it's trying to get rid of some of that white noise isn't it and trying to get some space around the symbols because they're so rich they're so rich without mm-hmm. having to keep you know but occasionally I do and actually I've got this um, funny you should say about Asclepius I've got this Greek deck from um, a dream worker called Patty Allen you can find it on Instagram, but um, those cards I've been using a little bit with my dreams. They're not tarot cards; they're oracle cards, but they're based around um, Greek figures in in Greek legend or or in Greece, um, you know, like philosophers or teachers or whatever. Um, and they're and I think you could almost use any image that are kind of you know images of paintings, images from a magazine, and I do use those too, to be, to be honest, rather than tarot. This is why I'm coming a little bit more away from tarot, I think, because I've always thought you could almost cut out 
78 pictures from the magazine and use them for a reading, you know, and I like that openness and that kind of, um, without, you know, there's this, we attach so much to some of the tarot cards, don't we? And I think for some people that's limiting, that feels limiting, not for everybody. And, you know, I, you know, they have my love, the tarot tarot deck has my love and and I'll always use it. But yeah, I I don't know. I, I tend not to mix in too much at once because I personally find it quite confusing and but it becomes overwhelming there's so much information and yeah yeah but these cards I've only just got this deck um I wish I could remember what it's called there's something key it's called key and she uses the cards they're called keys and they kind of unlock whatever but they can you know they're specifically designed for help with um dreams yeah so I'll see how that goes but I'm I'm kind of excited to use them, definitely. But they're, but they're less uh, directed for me than a tarot card. I've got a lot of associations already with um, each card in the deck. And so, yeah, just another way of trying, isn't it? Yeah. But I do sometimes use, I do sometimes use my tarot deck. I love the idea of using the symbolism around you. Symbolism of, sorry? Of just around you, of anything. Yeah, I mean that's what I that's what I'm more and more drawn to, honestly, honest. And I feel like it's um, I love the idea that that really all we're doing is responding from this kind of like divine place inside us, this this place of kind of where we're actually connected to the rest of the universe. It's a really powerful place, and anything that you need to really learn or be a scholar for, and I'm not saying tarot is like that at all, but. And, and there's a sense in which anyone can pick up a deck and, and respond to the imagery or whatever's on that card. But yeah, like you say, the stuff around you, and, and in actual fact, any object, it doesn't even have to be pictures. It could be, you know, I have a, have a wolf um, skin on my lap. I have, um, you know, a lovely orange cup beside me, some paper. I'm looking at there's a piece of turquoise, a star-shaped um, sparkly brooch. You know, there's a bottle of oil. Any of those things could be a way to read into a problem that you've got in the same way that you do the tarot deck, you know. So you might say, "Ah, oh, how 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 am I going to make this decision?" And then you look at the bottle of oil, and immediately there's symbolism to do with oiling the wheels, and there's not enough, there's too much friction, there's not enough um, fluidity, there's not enough softness. Um, and an oil could be anything from a plant to a kind of synthetic oil, but that, you know, so so anything that you feel when you think of oil. Um, it's using your imagination and your curiosity, isn't it, to relate that to how you're feeling. And that's all we're doing with the tarot deck, um, with this overarching set of archetypes that are already kind of set there for us in this lovely kind of mysterious pack of cards. But yeah, I, I think you can use anything and I more and more um, find that exciting. Yeah, in fact, I used some with a client last week and some pictures which I'd randomly cut from the magazine and it was great. We, yeah, it was really good. I love that. Um, mm, yeah. Do you ever paint from your dreams? Yes, all the time. And and in fact, um, they don't ever look like, it's a funny thing for me because when I used to, well, when I do make my work that isn't to do with a dream, it's almost like back to front of painting from a dream, like the painting or the drawing or the print or the sculpture comes up and out. And then I see it and I kind of wonder, I don't know what I've made and over weeks and months that might become clear or it might never become clear. It usually does in the end. Um, but with a drawing from a dream, you're kind of depicting something that's already happened. So it's like a reverse process for me. It's, it's 
kind of the opposite of how I would normally make art. And they look very different. They they have a very different language. Um, they're very much simpler. They're more um, clumsy, I guess. Uh, yeah, they I, I, they really intrigue me. They're very different from what I would make when I'm drawing on just I'm just channeling basically from inwards out. Yeah, it feels like the other way around, like the telescope is turned round. Yeah, really interesting. Do you, how about you? Because I know you um you make art. Do you do you make art around your dreams? I used to. I feel like there was a time mm. I went through a phase where I was like very into it. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I think. I think sometimes I get too, too deep into it. Um, yeah, almost like that over, over responding thing that I was talking about. Right. Is that overwhelm, is it? That exactly. Feels like that? Yes. Mm, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Where it feels like too Neptunian, where it feels like there's mm-hmm. no boundaries. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. it's hard to make sense of anything, which I guess is slightly the point. Um, but it feels like that idea. Yeah, although, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the idea of like you know, the crazy person kind of drowns in the water where the mystic swims. Where like mm-hmm. if you're yeah, not exactly. swimming, it's a fine line, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a fine line. Yeah, and the more you get into stuff, you realize that you know these places are real places. You know, it's it's. Um, but I think that's a really good indicator, isn't it? If you do feel overwhelmed and you do feel rattled by too much. Um, imagery and symbolism and too many layers is to step back from that because I don't think that's helpful at all. I don't know about you, but anything that feels overwhelming and that's making you more confused than you were in the beginning is not a good practice for you. It might be for somebody else, but um, these things are really personal, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the idea of like drying out, you know? Like mm. you're getting out of the water and you're kind of like... Mm. Mm taking in the the consciousness rather than the unconscious mm. a little bit like yeah yeah that's right because you're trying you know like back to that image of the the two wings you don't want to only be in that place of unconsciousness and I think in my life I that's been my struggle that that inner world and that unconscious place has been something that really draws me and um, and to have this kind of um more solar external um equally weighted place is really important this work because you know to use your words it can be really ungrounding really confusing as well um, and and nothing nothing to gain in that way nothing, nothing enjoyable I love that idea where it's like it's almost like a balance like two different sides mm. but they are two different yeah. sides it's like when one yeah. takes over the mm. other one it's not balanced mm-hmm. anymore yeah, and that's and it's a kind of different image than two sides of the same coin, isn't it? It's kind of, yeah, this idea of kind of balance. At all, and, you know, balance is a funny idea, isn't it? It's, we're never completely in balance. But this idea of, if, you know, if you need to fly, you've got to have similar on each side. And I don't know if you've ever kept hens or, you know, do anything like that. If You, you know, often I've clipped the wing to stop them flying. And you take the tiniest bit off a chicken's wing, um, the feathers, and they, they they can't fly at all, you know, it really, really destabilizes them. So, yeah, I like the idea of that. And and it being in movement, too. This isn't a static thing. This is something that kind of um, moves almost like bellows. It's like a living, breathing, um, dynamic, dynamic space. 
Yeah. Do you have a meditation practice? You know, I really don't. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but it, I'm sure I'm someone that could really benefit. And actually, I'm talking to someone at the moment about um, uh, going on one of her retreats that she's doing. I just, I don't know, I'm very busy-minded, Anna, and it, it's just something I've always found very difficult. And actually, thinking about your yoga um, lucid dreaming experience, I, I I used to do, I've done yoga a lot of times in my life um, for long periods. Um, very meditative yoga too, not not so much, um, you know, a lot a lot of work based around those practices. And, and on a couple of occasions, actually more than more than that, I felt myself leave the room in really alarming ways and, my, and getting very, um, yeah, very ungrounded, which is obviously the, the, the opposite point of, of why you would be doing that. Um, so I think I'm quite sensitive to that stuff and, and I would have to go about it maybe in a way that I've not already tried. Um, I have certainly tried um, to engage with that kind of thing. I think I'd really benefit. Yeah, what, what's your practice? So you, I'm assuming that you do have a meditative practice. I mean, yeah. I walk, don't get me wrong. I did, that, that is my I walk an awful lot for, for a long time each day. And that, that is my equivalent, but I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about something still, something very still. Yeah, I mean, walking is a great moving meditation. Do you will you mm-hmm. listen to anything, or will you just be like quiet? No, 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 just with my dog, and um, no, I, I'm just quiet. But I'm very much with the plants, I'm with the trees, I'm with the soil, the rocks, the air, the weather. I'm very much in that, but um, it's not a thinking place for me. It's it's a really lovely um, antidote to my busy mind. Yeah, and that's why I do it. That's why I've done it for years. But yeah. I think I found that uh, moving meditation is much better for me. Um, tai Chi was good, uh, and Qigong, those those kind of things work um, in a better for me. But it's a very slow, very still. Um, it kind of makes me panic, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, you, do you do a very still practice? Are you able to do? Yeah, I started it. It's been a year now. So I've been doing mm. 20 minutes in the morning and then mm. if I'm good I'll do another 20 minutes um that kind mm. of comes like on and off though but I've consistently done 20 minutes of you know sitting there mm. and having a mantra and trying to repeat the mantra yeah as much as you can mm. um in your head so that's your focus is these kind of words this mantra kind of thing Right. And I mean, you're not doing mm. it all the time. Like, I'd say I probably come back to my mantra a handful of times. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the mind yeah, is very kind of busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's it's just a real like, challenge. Yeah. It? It's just an indicator of like how much I need to do it, I guess, because it's like. Yeah. Well, this is why I laughed when he said to you. I was like, well, no, but duh, I totally need to. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it is a challenge, isn't it? It's just, I don't know, there's so many things. There's so many things. Um, and, and, the, and the other thing, obviously, is not, I, I don't want to do anything anymore in a kind of punitive sense because I feel like I should. It's got to, it's got to fit. It's got to feel kind of um, welcome and something that I'm able to give my time and my energy to. Um, sometimes it takes a long time for these kind of openings to open enough, doesn't it? And um, maybe that's me with with the really still stuff. But um, yeah, I bet it's good for when you're pregnant. I bet there's a uh, time to just be be this um, creature growing the baby. 
<laughs> yeah, it's interesting it's because like, because mm-hmm. I'm a huge worrier. Like I am definitely oh, yeah. an yeah. anxious human. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so if I can like just pause and like stop worrying for even mm-hmm. five minutes and like mm-hmm. tune in to the moment and actually yeah. pay attention to what's going on. It's very exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I'm actually growing a person. It's like, I'm not worried yeah. about what I need yeah. to do next or, no, you no. know, all the other bullshit. Like, it's like, oh my it's God, sort of like, there's a person in there. Has, yeah, it's just that simple. You're growing a person. It's literally that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I can <laughs> yeah. really like connect with him while I'm meditating, which mm, is really that's neat. That's so lovely. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just to kind of focus on, like who he is, he's he's already who he is, isn't he? He's a little uh-huh. guy, you know. He's he's a little Leo, and um, you're you've already met him, haven't you? Like his dad hasn't, but as a mum, we've we've already met. You know, he, he knows your heartbeat. He knows you, doesn't he? And yeah, it's a profound, yeah. it's a big thing. And I think there's like the like if I don't stop what whatever i'm doing i think you miss that mm. and yeah. i think you it's don't really yeah. like you don't really connect you know like yeah. what i found is i like if i'm too busy or i'm mm. too worried you just don't have space yeah. to connect with your body no, like, yeah that's right yeah and i think particularly when you're growing a baby it's such a, a kind of a that's a really sad part of our culture isn't it that that um there isn't time and space and this this kind of behavior isn't encouraged this spacious soft calm lying around in our you know which is so good for us especially so good for our growing growing babies and yeah and it's missed opportunities absolutely i mean we we all miss stuff don't we? we all miss opportunities but yeah if you can possibly possibly take some of those with your baby it's just so lovely yeah do you feel like art is grounding for you? Yeah, I think it's really grounding. I think it's, and also it can be a huge place um, for play as well, which is really important. It's it's an expression. It's a kind of, for me, a kind of trawling of, of like, or a kind of letting out of this unconscious water that's kind of in me. Um, but also just to play and to be in the moment. And, it, you know, again, very meditative, if, if that's how you are using it, can certainly be a meditation and really beautiful really playful even just playing with color with scissors with you know how the light falls shifting pieces about in collage making decisions and again a really good place to practice tiny intuitive moves if that's not something that you're used to even just making decisions you know like do i want to pick up the red or the green pastel do i like this ripped edge or do i like a cut sharp edge and where do i want to put it and you know, allowing yourself to make playful decisions without a goal, without an aim, um, and just doing that and seeing where that leads, seeing seeing what that's like. Like a, it's an experiential thing, isn't it? You don't need to finish with a beautiful picture, but um, quite often you finish with something that, um, and I've seen it with my clients, something that kind of surprises them and is quite a joyful. You know, even if there's some dark elements in it, it's, they're quite kind of um, in awe of what come from them when they've been able to play and um not have this big heavy title of artist which 
you know, that's the bit I kicked into the long grass a long time ago because it's just nothing to do with making art, nothing at all. Mm. I like that idea. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when you brought up the idea that like you're either drawing from a dream or you're channeling in the two different ideas mm. where do you feel for like, me anyway yeah for you mm. where do you mm-hmm. feel like you're channeling from like what is that is it like mm. coming from within or do you feel like it's like you're Ooh. connecting to something outside of yourself I think it's both and I think it's not for me it doesn't feel like it's coming into me from God who gives all gifts it doesn't feel like that because that um, that was never something that resonated with me. It felt, yeah, just that's not that's not the way it feels for me. It feels like <clears throat> it's coming to me, but it's coming from everything, from broader nature, from the animate world, from from the whole sphere that that we're in. That that you know, and I see myself as a human animal. as really part of this. You know, I'm part of this wild place. And, and so this energy is coming from there and from Mother Nature, if you want to call it like that. Um, Mary is another another uh, image that I that I love in terms of this sort of mother, um, this mother for the people, for the non-educated, for the for the the vulnerable or the whatever. For anybody, anybody can access this stuff. It's very kind of free flowing. It's not um, exclusive or hierarchical or um, you know those kind of ideas that you might attach to a god um, in a in a religion that was problematic for you. <clears throat> but yeah, so so I feel like this this force kind of joins with me with a little me that was once you know like little Leo in in my mum's time, you know, and, and with these kind of separate elements of it, but we're all part of this bigger whole. So yeah, I think that the dreams um, are similar that they're that they're drawing on a huge area that we can never know the the kind of limit of. But also they come through this personal channel, don't they? This this kind of separate reed or kind of flute, um, that that has a certain tone or has a certain expression or um, you know has a history and a preference and a and a personality. But yeah, I, I feel like that's what happens with with the dreams, with um, our, our intuitive selves, our creative selves. You know, all, all those um, more spiritually located kind of places that we that we are in yeah have you ever seen a specific place from your dreaming life in your waking life a specific place um i don't think in actual accuracy but i do quite often see things like um it'll it'll again it'll have like a chime to it like an echo so the way the light falls on a field or the slopes of a field or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a, it's hard to say, like a, like an imprint. So there's like a, and I do, and I do recognize it and I immediately think of, of um, my dreaming life and that in it, yeah, this kind of, yeah, like a print is kind of like, yeah, yeah it's sort of hazy. So yeah, but, but recognizable, but not, not in a literal sense maybe, but yeah, like a feeling tone and again, back to that feeling tone of the dreams being something that that that's where I inhabit my dreams that's the place that I work from is this feeling but it can be visual too yeah so yeah often um it'll be in a landscape or the way someone sat or um the position of something in a room or you know something like that 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 will trigger a memory in my dreaming life yeah and then of course 
you know, that the, the symbolism is rich and, and, and within the context of what's going on for you in the, the dreaming life and, and what's happening in the day, then, yeah, that can either be um, important or just a casual thing that you've noticed. Do you do a wheel of the year? Or do you pay attention to, like, your um, card of the year? Uh, I, a little. I mean, I've, the lover's card is really interesting to me. As, you know, it's ruled by Gemini as well, isn't it? So, and I and it's one of my favourite cards. So I, I do pay attention to the tarot card of the year. Um, and, and in terms of the wheel of the year, do you mean the kind of calendar, the equinoxes, those kind of places, solstice? Is that what you mean? Um, <clears throat> like some people will just do like whenever their year starts for them, they'll just pull mm-hmm. a card for each month. And then maybe like one ah, for okay. the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, no, I've never done that actually. I've done, um, you know, obviously whole year readings for, for clients. Um, where, but I wouldn't pick one for every month. Um, mainly because the same reason that I that I was talking about earlier with you when there's a lot of information there. And for me, it can muddy the way I read. I like to keep, I wouldn't normally read more than six or seven cards in a spread. Um even though I know lots of people really like, you know, Celtic Cross or 11, 12 card spreads. But for me, I do like to keep it simple. So that's why I've never pulled um, one for each month. But yeah, I mean, goodness, there's a, a, any way you do it, there's interest, isn't there? It's, um, yeah, and very personal to, to each person, how they, how they best use that tool, that, you know, that, that type of card. Do you, do you do that? Is that something you do? Yes, me and my sister do mm. it religiously every year. <laughs> oh, do you? <laughs> so lovely. It's very nerve-wracking. Oh, oh, yeah, I bet. I mean, again, so much information. and it, You know, these things take time. You know, if you're going to do a 12-card intense yearly reading, you know, it's a commitment, isn't it? It is, because you're looking at it the whole year, you know. Yeah, yeah, you got to stay with that. Yeah, you got to yeah. stay with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just do the one card. I mean, I feel very lazy now when you're doing 12 I just do the, the the numerological one, but but yeah, I mean even even holding on to that card all year is really interesting, isn't it? So, what do you like about the lovers card, or what draws you? Oh, I just I just think it's so ace, just in terms of um, like how we relate to anything, how we just relate to things, and I, you know, obviously I don't feel I say obviously, I mean the listeners might be thinking completely differently. I don't feel it's a card for plus, uh, romantic relationship between a man and a woman at all. Um, but, you know, it could be, obviously. But for me, it's more about how we relate, how we perceive someone else, how we love, how we receive love, um, you know, how we relate to the, the, the rest of the animate world, the non-human world, you know, um, how we project our deepest goals outwards onto someone else, you know, all these different things. And for me, that's something that um, I guess I'm interested in that because it's, you know, I've, I've often, and I don't know if, if you relate to this, but I've often been under the spell of projection in relationships. And that alone, I think, and I don't know if that's um, something specifically that women, um, if that is in a woman's story. And again, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on ground that I'm not um, very, very able with in terms of gender and all these kind of things. I find all that stuff quite confusing and want to... Um, be really respectful around the language of that. So, I'm not talking about. Um, I'm, I'm I'm more talking about how we relate just to another person and and see bits of ourselves on them and make that mistake that you know we give it away. We give we give our gold away so quickly in relationships. 
and I think probably in platonic relationship too. Um, but even without without a, a kind of human relationship, this card's so useful in terms of like your dog or like your holly tree in the garden or, you know, the weather. <laughs> it can be, I just think it's the most expansive, lovely card. I love it. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> What's your relationship to that? I'm sorry to keep asking you, but I'm interested. I'm really no, interested. yeah. Um, um, I'm really interested what how, how you see. I mean, everyone sees these things so differently, don't they? Yeah, the lovers, I feel like, you know, it really makes me just think of what we're talking about with the idea of the butterfly. Mm. With mm, yeah, that, like, that balancing factor. Yeah, yeah, the balancing and not losing mm. yourself in something else, mm, but seeing Yeah, yourself. not losing yourself. Yeah, my goodness. Seeing yourself, deceiving yourself. Yeah. 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 And not, you know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's all about perception and, and that really. And, and, and it's called the lover's card. But And you could see how that would involve love and lovers and loving yourself and loving anything. But I think it's, it, I think it's quite limiting on the card to assume it's about um, the human relationship always mm-hmm. romantic relationship you know not everyone's into that are they not everyone wants uh, or has any romantic connection with another human but there's so many other ways that we can relate and and I think it's only in relation to something else that we, we can perceive ourselves isn't it but you know it's really intrinsic to even if it's you know like some monk in his cave he's relating to a lichen on the rock you know if he never sees another person in his life there's still a relationship going on with the rest of the animal world yeah, and there's a certain yeah. idea too. Like, I don't know about you, but when I get into a certain environment, mm. I think I can easily dissolve into it or lose mm. myself yeah. into it and pick oh, up. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm very porous, I feel like. So mm. I'll pick oh, up a lot too, of stuff. Honey. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so, knowing <clears throat> how to have a boundary enough to. Mm be quote-unquote separate but still in relation yeah to be in relationship without losing yourself yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah I think because that's a you huge can be overwhelmed lesson. by another person can't you you can right. be overwhelmed by anything you know a rainstorm a, a dog anything but yeah by another person and especially you know in a, like a social context I don't know if you find that but I'm very poor mm-hmm. socially find it often often really overloading actually um but yeah that, that this is all in the lover's card isn't it mm-hmm. how we manage these situations how we perceive the other without othering them in a, in a kind of um, alienating sense but whilst having enough space yourself yeah yeah i think it requires like a really rich knowing of oneself yeah and like a continuous so, yeah. discovering Mm, yeah, yeah. And again, that's where dream work and intuitive work and tarot and those kind of practices help, isn't it? Because it is that lovely, and, and art making creativity, mm-hmm. that lovely conversation that you have with yourself, that really honest, open, you know, without aim, just, just like getting to know yourself and what you want, what you, what you need, who you are, what, how you feel in certain situations. And without paying attention to that, you're never going to know it, are you? You know, and I think that's why the practices that, um, you know, that we're, we're talking around and that your podcast is based on are, are really so good for that relationship, aren't they? Have you 
noticed yourself evolve through your art? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Or more, um, I don't know about evolve in any kind of... Uh, what I've noticed is the journey that's happened and I can look back and there's a map. <laughs> um, and I, like I said at the start, I don't always... Well, I never know in, in terms of my visual art what I'm making. And it's only later on that I see, but I can see a trajectory, definitely. I can see um, where there's been fear or anger or... Um, wide open space or, or I can, it's just charted in the work that I've done yeah and it's, I don't know um, again there's no sort of uh, monetary or um, uh, uh, what's the word value in a kind of capitalist society to that but again it's company it's knowing it's seeing yourself outside of yourself isn't it on on a piece of paper or on a painting on a sculpture in a sculpture um, it's that opportunity to to see a little bit more of who, you know, who you are, what, what your existence is. Yeah, and so that, I love that. I love that about making art. Okay, my last topic, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the <laughs> moon phases and, like, Ooh. what, how do you like to work with them? Do you notice anything mm. in particular, like, how they reflect in your life or anything yeah, like do, that. I do. I do. Yeah. And I, I think the moon, the moon phase is such a lovely practice because again, everyone has access to the moon. If you have a tiny piece of window or sky, I mean, again, you don't always see the moon, do you? It's often cloudy here where I live. Um, but you know, you can, you can buy charts of the moon, of the moon phases. You can know it's there. It's there whether you can see it or not. And I, I think the moon phases for me are a lovely soft, um, yeah just a soft edge practice where you can just feel yourself uh, like the seasons the seasons are another another thing that I love to, to work with and in terms of you know the seasons in a year but also the seasons in a day you know with the sun and how, and how that relates to spring, summer, autumn, winter you know these are feelings we all know and the moon's similar isn't it we can kind of relate to this kind of dark moon and then this new waxing moon slowly coming round uh, up to full brightness and then tipping back you know there's this really natural rhythm to um what the moon is doing we're doing the same thing aren't we we're we're kind of awakening and rising in 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 sort of hopes and intentions and um activity and productivity maybe um and this can be on any level you know it can be on a tiny tiny weeny level or a, or a, or a massive life-changing level but just having that awareness of where the moon is and, and where we might be as, again, creatures of the same universe, you know, we sharing the same universe as the moon. It's always there for us, you know, from the sky as a reference point of, of a rhythm um, rather than this kind of, rather kind of extractive, um, all go, all productivity, all action kind of thing that we're encouraged to um find in ourselves which is really really inhuman and really uh, an animal um so yeah and it, i think um most people find the full moon um a quite an intense time i certainly see myself quite a, a porous is a good word like a like a wide open kind of dilated time um and that can be many things it can be it can be quite disruptive it can be but it can be quite um releasing as well quite an open time to release but yeah, like I like the I like the building feeling of energy and 
plans and intentions and just hopes, wishes, um, focus points that can come up with a waxing moon. And then this just preparation to rest coming back down the other side. See, I use them very softly. I'm not, I don't do specific things on each quarter or phase of the moon, but I like to track where the moon is, um, see what she's up to, if the sky's clear. And, yeah, and I do actually do a, um, a monthly um, tarot reading for the collective on a full moon as well. I like to do it on that. I, I, if I had time, and I may um, make a podcast like yours, I'm like a proper one. <laughs> Mine is just uh, it, it through my website, so I'm through my website. But yeah, I like that that's on a full moon. I like to, it's a good punctuating thing. It, it comes around quite regularly, but not too fast. And, yeah, I think it's something that everyone can relate to. And, um, and it's, yeah, I like it. <laughs> I, like, I, I like being in rhythm with the moon. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so where can people find you? You talked about your monthly tarot reading. Where can people find that? Yeah, and work with I would, you? I'd love anyone to listen to that. Yeah, I mean, for the for the um, tarot reading, it's completely free. It's, it's just something I do every month. And I'm building a nice little community there. I'm really loving doing that as I um, lean more into dream work in my, with my clients. I'm, I love to keep this tarot piece there um, because it's fun and I love it and it's and it's helpful um so that's if you subscribe on my website which is best or oh, what is it uk. um but you can find me on instagram best.forester um, and the links are all there to the reading whatever it's all in the bio but um and yeah and you can work with me long distance or i mean i do have one-on-one clients in person but i also do email dream consultations if you've got a single dream um interesting to you or intriguing to you um and so there's a process of questions and talking through email and an interpretation or an expansion is is more how i'd like to um name that so yeah that's that's the way i'm i'm loving to work Um, and obviously i still do audio tarot readings um as well and that's all on the website so yeah um come and listen to the my little um pretend podcast which seems like a podcast yeah, come and join me because that'd be so nice. You should make one. Yeah, and then actually, mm, I yeah. Do you know what? That's one of my intentions for this year is to um, do that properly. Yeah, yeah. Was it hard when you did yours? How long have you been doing yours now? Mine has been since I want to say like twenty nineteen, maybe. Sorry, I missed the twenty nineteen. Of which time? Sorry. Oh, 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. For quite a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I love it. I love listening. And it and podcast is one of my favorite mediums. I don't know about you, but I freaking love podcasts. They're just oh, yeah. I love so, them. So I, they're so good, aren't they? They're so they good. are so, I so do good. Wanna, I do want to do that. And I can I just say as well that I absolutely always, as soon as I found your podcast, I love the name of it. It's Aww. just like, oh, I love it so much. <laughs> just like love. And I, you know, blind love is often like described as all kind of implied as a bad thing like you love blindly but I love the idea of loving blind and just that kind of that that love that we're just like forced through that we just keep on coming yes. whatever is thrown at it this is lovely like heart but I just adore the title of your podcast as well as your little picture as well but yeah I really love the name of your podcast oh my god so thank you the name, wouldn't I no oh, I love it. it just I actually feel it in my heart every time I see it I'm just like ah, I love that you really love that. That's the most important thing, though, Anna, isn't it? It's just like, oh my goodness. 
stuck under it all just this you know and, and this um you know often with my clients that the kind of root of what I'm trying to do with them is is to get them near to get them near to their unique gifts and their and their purpose and their where they can channel where they can shine and that and ultimately that's the way that we can love isn't it that's that's such a good loving thing to be in is our, our own power and our own gifts um so yeah love is at the bottom of my work absolutely I love that yeah authenticity is mm. so big yeah yeah mm. Mm, but I also think you need to like try sometimes you need to try on things like try on other people's outfits to find out like oh yeah that's what's you process, and what's not it? you yeah definitely it's not straightforward and it's not fast again like all the best things it's slow it's experimental nothing's guaranteed but you know this is the slow way that you build meaning and build purpose and build find yourself isn't it and find how you can best serve because yeah there's no clear quick answers definitely you have to try on all kinds of you know (laughs) yeah all kinds of outfits (laughs) that's fun though isn't it it is oh my gosh this was so much fun yeah definitely thank yeah. you and so you know much. there's no no rules no rules to that you're so welcome thank you for having me yeah so thanks nice for coming on yeah it was so enlightening mm-hmm. i loved your idea of dreams being like a mycelium network mm, oh, i love the symbolism with mushrooms it just i mean there's lots of talkers and writers who, who, who will describe it better than me but um yeah i made that connection myself in my dreams and it's a common one to read but i think it I think it's one of those archetypal connections. I think we're meant to find a connection um, with mushrooms, and I think they're going to be huge. We've got to start paying attention to the mushrooms. <laughs> they're just yes. like, yeah, they're everything. They are the symbol. And you know that when the truth is told, the truth can get what you want, or you can just get old. You're gonna kick off before you even get halfway through Ooh, why don't you realize Vienna waits for you When will you once again, thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode with Beth. I hope you enjoyed. I know you did because what's not to love? She's amazing. Um, and if you liked this podcast, please rate and review it. Shout out to Billy Joel for our theme song for the day, Vienna. And I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day. Big smooches to you and everyone. Smooches to the world. <laughs> <laughs>